right, all right, day 292. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're picking right back up today in First Timothy chapter chapter uh, four. And Paul picks up right where he left off. Um, and last time he was speaking about uh, how folks ought to conduct themselves in God's house, right? The church is God's house. This is God's people. And we are all God's family. And uh, we are built on the foundation of the gospel, which he f- finished off chapter three with. And here in four, he makes a sharp turn. He says this. Now the spirit <laughs> explicitly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. I think what's interesting about this is one, Paul says we should not be surprised when people turn away from the faith. Um, as, as hard of a reality as that is, Paul says, no, no, like that's what's going to happen. It's funny because we've talked about this before, but the New Testament is clear that the authors thought of themselves in the last days, right? And if you read the Old Testament, um, there is this latter day outlook, right? They are looking forward to the last days. Jeremiah says over and over, the days are coming. Uh, Isaiah will say, no, no, in the last days. Daniel will say in the last days. Uh, Genesis 49, when Jacob is blessing his sons, he's like, no, 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 like in the the days to come in the last days. And so here, uh, according to the New Testament authors, the last days have come. And so Paul is saying, no, no, in the midst of your ministry, Timothy, I want you to be reminded we are living in this particular time period where people are going to be led astray or deceived. And notice what he says. He says, by the teachings of demons. <laughs> so again, this, this very supernatural language, Paul believes in this stuff, man. And he says, they, they, they're following, and this time, he's like, they're following teachings about forbidding uh, marriage and, and eating certain foods. And he's like, that's trash, <laughs> right? Like, he says, that's trash, right? And he says, no, no, like, we're we, we good to eat, fam. We're good to eat when you're good to get married. Um, and he's like, no, point these things out. Point these things out to people uh, uh, and, and don't be caught up in them, right? And so uh, Paul is, is clear about that. But I love what he says is the alternative. Right. He says, he says, don't, don't, don't consume yourself with those things. He says, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. This is verse seven. Um, rather, rather, instead of that, train yourself in godliness for the training of the body has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. I love what Paul says here. Instead of giving your time to that foolishness, he says, get in the gym. Right. And the word he uses for training yourself, the word for train here uh, is an athletic term. Right. It is literally the word gymnazo, where we get our word gymnasium from. In other words, Paul is saying and he does this. I've said this before that he does this. He did it in Philippians, First uh, Corinthians. And here he, he, he says uh, the same discipline, hard work, single mindedness and sacrifice that an athlete <laughs> has to put in and give to perform at a high level is the same discipline, hard work, single-mindedness, and sacrifice. We have to continually move toward for godly lives, for godly lives in prayer, in the word, in studying, in giving, in communion, in fasting, in, in confession, in submission, in Sabbath, in, com- in, 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 in church, in, in evangelism, and in, in all these things, in rest, all these things, silent solitude, all the, the beautiful spiritual disciplines that have been passed down uh, from uh, uh, from the scriptures, from the uh, church, early church tradition and, and church history, uh, we have at our, at our disposal that God uses by the power of the spirit to conform us into the likeness of Christ, to make us 
godly. And it's so funny. I identify with this metaphor so much because, uh, again, played basketball my whole life. And uh, we used to say, man, we can tell when, when you ain't been in the gym. You dig what I'm saying? Like, we, we could tell. And I, as, as Christians, we're not supposed to have that kind of posture. Uh, but at the same time, I do think um, we, we can learn a lot uh, from that. And I think Paul believes the same as well. And uh, it's funny, he didn't just mean this for, for Timothy. He meant it for the whole church, right? Because he goes on to say, no, no, command and teach these things in verse 11, right? And he says, no, no, this is an invitation you extend, but also an example you provide after that. He says, set the conduct, set the uh, uh, example for the believers in speech and conduct, love, faith, and purity. In other words, uh, for Paul, uh, sound teaching and sound living always come from the top down. He says, no, no, like this is the kind of leader I want you to be, Timothy. And church, this is the kind of leader I want you to follow, right? Very, very clear here. First Timothy 5, Paul makes a shift back to the different groups of people within the church. So he'll do this in the pastorals. He'll address uh, different groups of people, older and younger men, and then the older and younger woman. With the biggest section, uh, speaking of widows, here, the older and the younger. And one of the things that resounds all throughout the New Testament is uh, that the church, we as a body, as Christ's body here on earth, are to care for one another, right? That's clear and simple enough. It is much easier uh, said than done. But he's like, no, no, we need to care for one another. And Paul goes back to Old Testament roots, and he says that uh, widows that are genuinely in need are to be cared for by God's people. He's like, I'm not talking about a widow that is trying to get over on the church, finesse money out of folks and live a self-indulgent lifestyle. He says, I'm talking about the one who has lost her family and has put her trust and hope in God. Her new family, her redeemed family uh, is to help her and provide for her and care for her. It's funny because um, the phrase help widows in genuine need forms this inclusio. So you see it in verse uh, chapter uh, five, verse three, and then you see it in chapter five, verse 16, uh, those who are genuinely in need. And he's saying, uh, this is the main point. <laughs> uh, this is the main point of this text. Uh, something that, again, deeply comes out of Old Testament text. And you see him even quoting Old Testament text here. Um, the office of the elder or pastor, uh, he moves on, is to be highly honored uh, uh, for Paul and, and, and by Timothy. Why? Because he says they have a responsibility of leading God's people. So if possible, the church ought to make sure they can get paid, right? Right. They can get what they uh, need to be able to continue to serve. He's like, some folks be hating on elders for whatever reason. Don't accept an accusation against one unless a bunch of people come up saying the same thing. Uh, don't be too quick to appoint uh, one either, right? Some folks' sins show up later than others, and some folks' uh, good works do as well. And I think overall, man, the Bible is very clear, again, about the kind of leaders we are to follow, uh, but also the kind of leaders we are to be if uh, God so sees fit to that. First Timothy 6, last chapter of the book, and uh, Paul talks about the dangerous concoction of false teaching and greed, right? False teaching and greed. And one of the things I think we learn is that money I think that the wider, like the Bible says this uh, overall across the landscape of scripture, we see that uh, money for some reason has this gravitational pull around hearts. And I find it interesting that Jesus, he doesn't like of all the things he could have said, he, he says you can't serve. Uh, we usually translate it masters, but the word there is usually uh, curios, which is lords. So he says you really can't have two lords. Either you will uh, uh, serve one and hate the other. Right. Or he says, uh, yeah, you either serve one or hate the other. And he's like, um, you can't serve both God and money. And it's like, of all the things he could have contrasted, <laughs> right? Like he contrasted himself with money. And uh, it's funny because Paul is is on the same vein here. He's on the same tip. 
he says some think that godliness is a way to material gain but he says no no godliness with contentment is great gain and so his his whole thing here is like man we ought to be content and i think he's he's obviously talking to timothy he's obviously uh, uh wants him to know this but he also wants the church to know this as well and uh the person i think for paul the person who always wants more will never be satisfied or content with what they have right Paul is the only one to ever talk about contentment. Uh, the, the, the specific word that he uses for contentment uh, is he's the only one to use it. He's, he's saying like the person who always wants more will never be satisfied or content with what they have. They will not have what they want nor want what they have. And I think a prayer for the Christian, and I've tried to make this my own, is that um, we should say, hey, God, help me not to just desire more, but to desire to live on less, right? To desire to live on less. And he'll go into why. He says in verse 9 through 10, he says, um, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Hear this. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I love the metaphors he uses here. Notice he doesn't say uh, you will walk into temptation. He says, but they fall. Right. And nine times out of 10, most of us don't know when we are about to fall right before it happens. Falls fall upon us <laughs> uh, subtly and suddenly. And what Paul is saying, he says, before you even know it, if you make your aim in this life, your top pursuit to be rich over pursuing what he tells him to pursue in verse 11, which we're going to get to, it could be possible that you are on the slow road to apostasy, that you are on the slow road to turning away from God. Again, money doesn't just want to be loved. It wants to be Lord. And Paul was talking 2000 years ago, fam. He says, because of this, cats turned away from the faith, the faith, the faith, the faith. And uh, in 11, he says something very interesting. He says, but you, man of God, he says, flee from these things, <laughs> flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. It's funny that Christians are not just known for the things they are not against, but for the things that they are for. Right. Not for just. The things they're against, but what they're for. He says, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He finishes, he says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Notice how he uses all the economic metaphors. Um, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. It's funny that Paul sounds so much like Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you know, um, where Jesus talks about don't store for yourselves treasure on earth, will moth steal and, and rust destroys, but uh, store for yourselves treasure in heaven. I remember uh, a professor saying one time that everything that you find in Paul can be found in Jesus, right? Um, and remember, it's interesting how he talks about this. He says, uh, as a good foundation for the coming age. Remember, Jews had this two-age schema or framework, this present age and the age to come. And Paul says here and in other places that those Christians who have a gospel kingdom impact in this age are those whose deepest concern is for the next. And, and, and I love what he says here. It's so practical. He says, doing what is good, right? Being rich in good works, right? Doing what is good and being rich in good works. This is how we store up treasure in heaven. So I always thought about like Jesus always says, like, don't store up treasures for yourself on earth, but in heaven, I'm like, how do we store up treasures in heaven? Like, what does that even look like? 
right? Do I put my money into this heavenly bank account? Like, I don't know what to do. But Paul is like, no, no, be rich in good works, <laughs> right? This is how we store up treasure for ourselves in the age to come and how we take hold, right? He says, this is how you take hold, not of a lot of stuff, but what really matters in is truly life. I think what Paul wants us to know is that it's a forsaking of the things that we can't keep for the thing that we can't lose, right? And he finish, he finishes and he tells him, he tells Timothy, he says, hey, guard the gospel, guard it, guard it, guard it. He says, no, guard what has been entrusted to you. He's still using all these meta, uh, economic metaphors. Guard what has been entrusted to you um, and, 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 and keep yourself right from false teaching. And the thing that he's saying is um, in guarding the gospel, we are guarding and protecting something that is valuable. And it is not just something that is valuable. It is something that is most valuable in the world. It is the only thing over money, over success, over fame, over all the things that we have this tendency to pursue it is the only thing that can actually give us the life we are really looking for. Anyway, let's pray. God, we ask that we would guard the gospel. I pray, Father, that we will pursue the things that you've called us to pursue and flee from the things that you've called us to flee from. God, I pray that we will not believe that we are wiser than you. God, you know how the world works and you know how we work.